It's your Tuesday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Hope you guys are as well. Really good show coming up. Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins joins me here in just a few minutes. Got him in a bunch of stuff. He'll be over at Williams Arena on Wednesday night to cover Gophers versus Iowa. Star Caitlin Clark will be in the building for the Hawkeyes. That should be tons of fun. Sellout crowd. Talk to Chip about what makes Caitlin Clark so amazing as a player, but also as a phenomenon in college basketball in women's sports. So we get into that. Got into some Viking stuff, a little bit of Timberwolves, some Gophers, plenty of plenty of ground covered uh, with Chip. So stick around for that here in just a few minutes. A good conversation with him. Got some more Vikings thoughts at the end of the show. Scouting Combine picking up right now. Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa addressing the media today in sessions at the Combine. Could be some news out of that. Be interesting to hear what they say. I'll probably run some of what they say on tomorrow's show, and you certainly should be paying attention. StarTribune.com. Ben Gessling and Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune are at the Combine. They will be having uh, plenty of coverage from all of that there, and this could be where... Some of the Kirk Cousins off-season news. You know, we're only a couple weeks away from the new league year. Some of that will start to filter out. We'll find out, are the Vikings keeping Cousins or moving on? So don't know if we'll get a definitive answer today, but we might move the ball a few yards, so to speak. So stick around and pay attention to that as the week goes on. Um, first, though, what I miss, plenty of stuff to talk about with the Twins right now. That's where I want to start. We'll get into even more tomorrow. Phil Miller expected to join me from the Star Tribune to talk about everything going on down in Florida. But a couple big things right now. A, Byron Buxton making his debut today, or expected to at least, in center field. Hasn't played in center field in about a year and a half. 554 days, I think Phil wrote the other day. So 554 days since Buxton played a game of any sort in center field for the Twins. Having Buxton healthy and available in center field, you can't overstate how important that would be to the Twins this year, just how much that makes them better. A healthy Buxton, he's he's been, he's become a bit of a punchline, obviously, over the years with all the injuries, everything he's gone through. At the heart of it, though, when he's healthy, he is a, you know, a, a tremendous player, a star caliber player. We haven't seen it enough in long enough stretches because of injuries, because of slumps. But when Byron Buxton is healthy and playing well, he is a difference maker. He is he has the potential to carry a team for weeks at a time. If he can stay healthy this season, that will be a tremendous boon. And today is a big step towards that. Now, in the same breath, Twins needed to get themselves some insurance in case he can't be healthy or just in case they need extra outfielders. They made a trade on Monday. Manuel Margot coming over from the Dodgers. He'd recently been traded from the Rays to the Dodgers. Sounds like the Twins have been pursuing him for quite some time. They like the fact that he's a right-handed hitter. They like his defense. They like his overall ability in the outfield. He's got a hefty salary this year, but all but $4 million of it are being picked up by the Dodgers and, and Rays, I think, eventually. So not a huge uh, financial burden to the cash-strapped Twins. We've talked a lot about payroll this offseason. Just seems like a solid pickup. Not a big you know, power hitter by any stretch. I think he had four homers last year, but a guy who will put the bat on the ball, will make the plays in the outfield above average defensively, just a solid major leaguer, the kind of guy that they had a lot of last year. right? Like You think of Michael A. Taylor. They probably could have tried to re-sign Michael A. Taylor, decided to go a different route. Maybe Taylor looking for a little bit more playing time this year, not quite sure what 
you know, why that didn't didn't mesh because he was awfully good for them last year, um, really saving them when Buxton couldn't play the outfield. But does seem like they've got their insurance now and a guy that can, you know, play in the in center when Buxton doesn't play, can play the corner spots against left hand pitching, things like that. So a good pickup, a good solid pickup. One other thing on it, though, Bobby Nightingale Jr., Star Tribune beat writer, uh, along with Phil Miller, tweeted this out, and I thought this was, this was interesting. In the trade, the Twins traded shortstop Noah Miller, a uh, 2021 draft pick. Now the Twins have traded all five of their top their, their top five picks in the 2021 draft. They have traded each of those players. He, he gave the rundown here. Traded right-handed pitcher Chase Petty, their number one pick, to the Reds in the Sunny Gray deal a couple of years ago. That worked out pretty well for the Twins, although Chase Petty could wind up being a pretty good pitcher for the Reds. Like I just said, they traded Noah Miller to the Dodgers in this Manuel Margot trade. They traded uh, left-handed pitcher Steve Hayar to the Reds for Tyler Malley. Um, they also traded Christian Encarnacion Strand to the Reds for Tyler Malley. They also traded uh, Spencer Steer to the Reds in that trade. This is not part of this, but uh, they traded him to the Reds in the Malley trade. Uh, both Encarnacion Strand and uh, and Spencer Steer had very good seasons last year for the Reds, so that one could haunt them for a while. And they traded right-handed pitcher Cade Povich to the Orioles for Jorge Lopez. So five Five, the top five players they picked in the 2021 draft have all been traded out in four separate deals. I don't know if this is more than a fluke or anything else. I don't think this means that their minor league system is bereft of talent, but it is interesting to think about that they, that they, you know, basically the 2020 draft was extremely limited because of COVID. Then you get the 2021 draft where you don't have a lot of, uh, you don't have a lot of uh, players, the top end players that you used to have. I wonder if there will be, any sort of repercussions in the pipeline down the road. I wouldn't imagine there would be. They've obviously like made trades for other teams, players from from drafts, things like that. I'm not worried about it. More of a curiosity piece than anything that I thought I would share with you right now. Before Chip, let's get to a little soccer too. The Loons, Minnesota United, officially naming uh, Eric Ramsey their head coach. Um, this was this happened yesterday. Now, over the weekend, they debuted uh, with their interim coach, Cameron Knowles, and looked awfully good. They beat Austin 2-1. to one. It was 2 nothing until uh, Austin got a goal very late. The Loons controlling play for almost the entire game, you know, pressing up high, things like that. You would have to imagine this is the style they will continue to play under Eric Ramsey. They wouldn't have brought in a coach and then ripped everything up that they've been working on and training for months and months and months. I'm sure this is part of a seamless plan. This is how they want to play. This is how their kind of their new management wants to play, things like that. But it was interesting to see them play so well. A lot of Loons fans that are, you know, much more soccer experts than I am saying, wow, this was this was a much different style of play, a much different result than they're used to seeing. They just really took it to Austin on Saturday in that 2-1 win. So we'll see how soon um, how soon Eric Ramsey debuts. 32 years old, the youngest coach in Major League Soccer, coming over as an assistant from Manchester United. It'll be an interesting transition. Interesting to see how this all fits together. Not the ideal circumstance for hiring a coach, but the ideal circumstance, at least for the result at the start of the year for the Loons. And we'll see where they go from here. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin.
Let's bring in Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins right now on a bunch of different things, including Vikings, uh, some gopher hoops, a little bit of Wolves. Wolves back in action on Tuesday. Uh, scouting combine this week, a lot of intrigue for the Vikings. But uh, Chip, the big story locally this week is going to be Caitlin Clark at Williams Arena on Wednesday. The game has been sold out for months. Um, you know, at one point it looked like it'd be um, maybe a more competitive game, and it still could have been. The, the women, the Gopher women, have been struggling mightily since Mara Braun's injury. But the show is still Caitlin Clark. She would need fifty-one to uh, to break the Maravich record. Don't think that's going to happen. But let's not put it past. Not let's not rule it out. She's she is just such a special player. As you prepare to cover this and kind of. Um, you know, be there for that. What, what, what are you kind of like in the lead up to it? What are you realizing, learning, and kind of thinking about Caitlin Clark and just this phenomenon? Yeah, it's uh, it is a phenomenon, and and you look at the attendance figures of her home games, but more so the road games. I mean, she's yeah. selling out every road venue, and so which is just uh phenomenal for you know women's sports and the the attention that she brings to that uh to that sport and you know i'm sure there are people that uh and we saw a little bit of this last year um with the fallout with her and angel reese in the title game and the kind of back and forth that went on that she can be a polarizing figure the way she plays the way you know some of her histrionics but man when you set aside all that and all the comparisons that we're hearing now and just watch her play. It's unlike anything I think we've seen. Um, she crosses half court looking to score and it's logo three pointers are just like any other three pointer for her. And just the flair that she brings the competitiveness. Uh, she, it is a, a phenomena that we're seeing and, and it's great for women's basketball. And if, if, you know, if it attracts more viewers, uh, gives young girls who are watching her something to strive and aspire to be. I, th- I think it's just it's all positive. Is it just that she's that much better than everyone else? Because I feel like there's been like there's been star players. What about her resonates in particular? Like, is she just that much better? Because you you watch her and you're like, okay, she probably is that much better, but it's got to be more than that. Well, I think it's a couple things. I think it's her style of play. Yes, yeah. she's that much better, but just the creativity, the shot making the distance that she shoots on threes, um, all those things are just, they, she has this wow factor about the way she plays and the way that Steph Curry brought that wow factor into the way he shot the ball. But I also think it's, when you look at women's sports now with the growth of it, and when I say growth, I mean TV executives wanting to uh, uh, put it on uh, yeah. their the games on TV. Volleyball, Women's basketball, we're seeing it here locally with women's professional hockey that has come into our market, and they're getting ten plus thousand fans for home games on on weekends. I think we're just. I, I think people are realizing there is such a. Uh, and I'm talking about TV executives. Yeah, this is an inflection point for women's sports. Uh, the growth of it, the you think about how popular volley, uh, women's volleyball has been in college and and now we're seeing more of that than ever big 10 network i mean how dominant i mean that's that's one of the to me like a, a women's college volleyball game just the action packed and it's always you know it's fast paced and 
how athletic the players are and how hard they hit it. And just, um, so I, th- I think you're seeing a growth in all women's sports and she's come along and, and Caitlin's come along in, at this moment and plays a game that we haven't seen a style that, the create, like I said, the creativity and shot making that, that's just so unique. I think it's, uh, I think that's part of it, but, um, and, and, you know, some of it probably is to her personality and how she's, you know, uh, she can be, um, what's the word? I don't know. Cocky is the right word, but, yeah, you know, just kinda, the, the cocky, the brash, a little brash, a little confidence, certainly confidence. Yeah. And confidence. And so I, I think it's all those things that are contributed to it. But I think more than anything, just from pure basketball standpoint, just the way she plays. I mean, we, yeah. we, we just you just don't see this. I think you're right about just the inflection point of women's sports and kind of where, you know, just grouping it all together maybe isn't even fair. But just like collectively, there's this kind of swell where it's important to in a certain realm to break into mainstream, right. To be in a, to be at a place where people are just kind of where casual sports fans are talking about a thing. And I think that's like, that's mm-hmm. when you see a team really take off where you see a sport really take off is like, have they gone beyond just the people who are really, really passionate about it? You got to have those people. Those people are essential, but you also have to have the casual fans. And then maybe that's where Caitlin Clark, like people can latch onto that. That is a thing that they can latch onto just like so many other things in the, in the world of, of women's sports, but particularly her right now. Well, I think it's, I think it's when you look at TV viewer numbers and we're just seeing more women's sports on TV now than we ever have sponsorships. You think about Caitlin and Paige Beckers and some of these high profile angel Reese, some of these high profile college athletes that we're seeing uh, get NIL deals. And and not just local ones. I'm talking about Gatorade, Nike, State Farm, national brands are attaching themselves to these women athletes. And so that's a new you know frontier that we haven't yeah. seen before. So I, I feel like all these things are kind of combining. And and you, I mean, you look at uh, the women's final four with the number of sponsorships they have and, and the record, I mean, the tenants and TV ratings keep going up and up and up. So I think people realize and there's this uh, opportunity there. And it's great to see, and it's great that um, more people are realizing and, and paying attention to just how great these athletes are and how yeah. really good at basketball or volleyball or whatever hockey the sport is. And so it's 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 cool to see, and I think Caitlin's become kind of I don't know if, I don't want to say face of that, but yeah. she's she's definitely stepped into this this moment and the way she plays and chasing these records. Uh, anytime there's records being broken, that's obviously going to, you know, uh, call attention to itself. So it's just, a, it's a really impactful, cool moment. What do you think? What do you think Williams Arena is going to be like? We haven't seen it all that full yeah, lately. It's going to be pro Iowa. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be pro Iowa. Yes. I mean, and they, you know, that, that program, they obviously travel well and, and with what she's doing. Uh, and, you know, it's disappointing that Mara's, bronze injury as you mentioned they're they're just not the same team i was there last uh last week to watch them play and um to take someone who's what she does for that team and what she means for that team and take her out of the lineup it's just they're really they just don't have the firepower now to compete uh and so it'll be pro iowa it'll be loud uh it'll be fun to see i mean if you if you've seen some of these stops before uh Rutgers, Maryland. I mean, you're talking about sellouts and people are lining up, you know, hours before the game to get in to see the Caitlin show. 
it's just something we haven't we we haven't experienced before in women's sports. And so I'm, I'm excited to be there and, and get to uh, write about it and soak it up. And um, I hope it's uh, I hope it is kind of lives up to the hype that, that yeah. we because like you say, it's been sold out for what several months now. And and yeah. I think that I think King Edward Collie had what the the Big Ten Women's Tournament sold out. Yeah. And that's, that'll be here in weeks. two weeks. She'll be back in two weeks after that. So it'll be. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. It is. Um, basketball wise, um, at least locally, the the men's team is the, the bigger story. Certainly right now, they lost Sunday at Nebraska. Didn't particularly shoot the ball well. You could maybe see that coming because they'd had a bunch of hot shooting games in a row. It was like, okay, are they really that good of a shooting team? But still eight and eight in the Big Ten. Some opportunities here, like the two home games they have are winnable. They kind of need to win those. Probably got to get at least one of these road games and then do some do something in the Big Ten tournament. If we're talking about NCAAs, it's already been a season that has you know been a rebound season. They've been much better than people predicted. They're predicted to finish last in the Big Ten. They've been you know at least to be in this conversation of postseason play certainly better than what we expected. But do you do you see this in them? Can they? Do they have this in them, and how important is that at this point? Yeah, it's it's. I think it's still a long shot. I mean, they have to win the two home games. Yeah, their non conference schedule is just so weak that you have to overcome that. So they're probably well. They need to get to twenty one, twenty two games wins, which means you got to win two in the tournament. Uh, You know, you play at Illinois. That's going to be a a obviously awfully tough challenge there. So. Need to win the two home games. Probably need to win two games in the in the non conference or in the in the conference tournament. Um, yeah, that I, I I like this team. I like I, I like their chemistry and kind of the spirit they play with. Uh, you know, they're still uh, still not. Uh, they have those moments where offensively, it kind of just lose. They lose themselves a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we saw that at Nebraska. That was a, just a really poor effort offensively all the way around. Nobody shot the ball well. Uh, give give Nebraska credit. They're better than I thought. Their defense is good. Um, I think they got uh, the Gophers just all discombobulated on offense. I mean, even they were missing open shots where I just think they uh, Nebraska just took them out of everything they wanted to do. So, but but if you take the, the kind of the global thirty thousand foot view, I mean, what Ben's done this year is in terms of uh, you know putting together a nucleus of players that. Feels right. The development of of Christie, and even more so Pharrell Payne, I think, has really taken a big step inside. I, I like the the improvement he's he's shown. And so you know, it's it comes back to if they all come back. It's right. kind of this it's, it's this qualifier that we have to say if they all come back, and I think they all can. At least their their main nucleus, even Dawson Garcia, if they if they can keep that group together, and then you add Isaac Osama, uh, the point guard from Cherry. Uh, that would feel like a tournament team, tournament nucleus to me, but you just can't have what Ben's gone through. Basically, all three seasons that he's been here, it's felt like a new team because yeah. of the transfer portal. So I would love to see what would happen if you could keep players you yeah. know, here and then bring in the guys and supplement it and maybe add one or two transfer portal guys and not so many that you're relying on. Um, but this, this, was a, this has been a good, really good step forward for – the program obviously Ben needed it. Yeah, uh, it was very much I, I think uh, hot seat for him coming into this that they need this team this program had to take a step forward and they've done that. And so, 
let's see if they can finish strong here. And, you know, I don't know if they'll, if they can get to the tournament, but if you can double up your win total uh, from last year, I think that'd be a huge, huge step forward. Not going to get any easier. Cause now it looks like the, you know, the NIL rules, they, they got, yeah. you know, a, a, a ruling over the weekend. Basically it's like, Hey, yeah, you can kind of use it to recruit. You can kind of do what you want with it. The NCAA can step want. in. <laughs> do, do what you want. This you is want. out of our yeah. hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's, Yes, the coaches, uh, you know, when you factor in who stays and who doesn't, coaching, the the vibe around the program and winning, all that's part of it, but so is NIL. We saw it, Dinkytown athletes step up with the football program, with Darius yep. Taylor specifically. Uh, they're going to have to do that again. I, I got to imagine uh, Christie would be attractive to some team that wants a, a shooter. Um, you, you mean, I'm sure he had opportunities coming out of high school and he chose to come here. So I, it's interesting if, if you spent time around the team and you see him, there's a good vibe about him. I yeah. feel like there's a, a strong connection. Now that doesn't guarantee no one's going to leave. But I think if you looked at it and you look at kind of the, this chemistry that they have and this brotherhood and this, you know, kind of the spirit they have. Uh, and you feel like they're moving in the right direction, obviously with the wins they're getting, that's a good foundation. You know, that's a good foundation. Um, to build upon. So will that entice everybody to stay here? I have no idea because the, you know, the NILs when somebody, when some of these schools are throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. at athletes to leave, I, that's awfully tempting. I, I don't know. You know, I can't even imagine that world. <laughs> you know, it's just right. so different now. Um, so it, it'll be interesting, but, but if, if they all come back, uh, I think they they'll really be starting next year in a good, uh, good spot. Uh, place yeah i agree with that um a couple more things the wolves i wrote about this monday i feel like we we keep finding new things to worry about with the wolves they're 40 and 17 like think about like five yeah. ten years ago when things were just miserable you were worried about them even finding like three decent players to put on the court at one time now they've got like this you know best record in the west you know the, this foundation of hey you know but we're all looking at like, oh, but what if they have to play the Lakers or the Warriors in the first round? How how deep are they going to go? Like, what can they stay healthy? Uh, Ants late game decision making is Jaden really having that good of a year? Nas Reed yeah. like is we, we we as humans we are predisposed to find new problems once we have established a new normal. The new normal for the Timberwolves is that they're very good, and so now we have new problems with this team. Well, I think as Minnesotans we're predisposed. As Minnesotans and, and human beings, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're so used to worst case scenario yes. that when when you and you know specifically with this organization, which is you know historically we all know uh, how bad it's been. When you see glimmers of hope, and you see like, hey, this team's actually really good, and they have yeah. something here, and you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And right. I know it's cliche, but you sort of do. Um, you know, it's still uh, for this team. I, I like how they're constructed. I like defensively. I like the way what Gobert like the improvement he has made this year and yeah. being being the defensive force that they thought. Uh, I think that's been a real game changer. But even it was recently as a couple 
games ago where Chris Finch, they had a stinker. I can't remember. what Was it the third quarter or something? Uh, uh, I guess Milwaukee. They, like, where he said he like goes back to our maturity. Yeah, yeah, he goes back to our maturity or something. It's like at some point we got to stop talking about the maturity of this yeah. team, right? But I don't think we will until they prove it in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's – that's. I mean, we we – there's enough evidence here. This this you know this regular season, we're like this is a good team. Like yes, this is a team that, that when yes. they play at their when they play at their peak and they're you know they just have a lot of uh, defensive uh, prowess. I mean, Ant can you know Cat, but it, it, it's all it, they have to show it in the playoffs. That's what this is about, you know. And so this team was not built to just squeak into the playoffs and maybe win a series. I mean, this is a team that they think should be in the Western conference finals. And so to me, isn't that how this is going to be judged? Like what happens in the postseason? It is. And I'm fascinated. I'm, I can't decide for myself yet what I will consider success ultimately. Like let's, let's, let's say like nothing catastrophic happens. It's just like, they kind of carry this to the finish line. They're one of the top three seeds in the West then what what's the what is the minimum that needs to happen to feel like okay that was that was that was good enough then I, I feel like let's keep this together and build on that don't you feel like western conference finals or or one step below that yeah i don't that's what i don't know I, i'm like i have well, i mean it's hard because the west is so good there's a lot of good teams like you could i think a first round loss would be that's, that would be you, that's you, a you huge can't have disappointment that. you that's can't a huge, I, yeah like the baseline is i know that's not enough like you can't no. just get to the playoffs and lose even if you say oh it was a competitive series no no no, 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 no you're, no, you're no, beyond no. that you have home you'd have home court you'd be playing a team that's not as good as you even if it is a team that you know has some veteran stars yeah that second series though could be tricky like say you're the two seed and then you're playing the three and it's like denver or somebody like that or yeah. the clippers like then I could see, then I could kind of give you a sliding scale. I could be like, okay, if you lost in seven and it was well, like, oh it. man, yeah, yeah. like, how does it look? How it, does it ha- look? It's a, yeah. it's how does it look? Getting to the, I know what success is. Success is definitely getting at least to the Western Conference Finals. What I, what I don't quite know yet for myself is how to, how will I still feel okay about this if it comes up short of that? Well, it, it, it you know, it would depend on how it looks, but you have to remember too, like, with the money that they're spending and going over, you know, into the luxury tax, this is not, I mean, to justify keeping this core together and being willing to pay that tax, it can't be, uh, you know, we're, well, we got in the playoffs or we, you know, we right. won a first. I mean, to me, it's like you have to show legitimately like you're a contender. Yes. Right. I would think of it as an ownership. If I'm paying that, that kind of money in that tax, I want to feel like this is a legitimate contender. And so, yeah. What does that look like in a postseason? I guess we'll see. I mean, the optics are going to tell us, but um, you're right. Yeah, it can't be just get in the playoffs and lose first no. round. Like that's going to be no. a major, major disappointment. No. It's got to be something more than that. But yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't decided for myself what that is yet. How I feel, I and mean, I think you're right. Maybe some of it will be the eye test. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. Really quick. It's NFL scouting combine week. You were, you told me before we started recording, I haven't seen yet, but there's a Kirk cousins video. He's out there (laughs) on a tennis court. He's throwing the football over those mountains like uncle Rico. Everything's going to be all right. Um, That's not, that's no coincidence, right? It's he wants to make sure everybody knows that he's, he's good to go. The Vikings I've, I've seen reports that, you know, maybe this is when cousins negotiations are going to heat up. Like, 
it's kind of go time now. It's only a couple yeah. of weeks till the leagues to till the league year. They're going to be looking at all these quarterbacks that they could potentially get. Penix is throwing at the combine. Knicks is throwing. McCarthy's throwing. Like this is now we're going to finally start to like the real information is going to start flowing. I think like at, at the combine now. Yeah. Is so you're saying it's not a coincidence that that video posted on the first day of the no, scouting combine. <laughs> not not a coincidence at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we're going to see more of that because that's. That's what he's telling teams. Look at me. This is how I, you know, how I'm moving and stuff. And yeah, this is this is a. Uh, I got to imagine the the conversations with his agent and Quasi in the front office are going to heat up this week. And this is a big week for Kevin O'Connell too, because I would think his evaluation is number one above anyone else when it comes to quarterbacks. Like yes. this is a large part of why you hired him. Now, if it. Uh, those three that I think they're going to be available um, for the Vikings are throwing. This is, I mean, they'll go to the pro days too and see him there, but I got to imagine he's going to spend a lot of time with these quarterbacks. And he's done that in the past where he's created when he was just a coordinator or position coach, he he did a lot of the prep work on every quarterback coming out in the draft. And I think he's taking pride in just, you know, really diving into that. And so this, his evaluation in his opinion on these quarterbacks and whether there's a guy there that he falls in love with that they feel like he wants to take in this draft. These are a critical month to six weeks for him. Right. And, and just really nailing down. Yes. This guy, no, this guy, here's what I think about what we should do with that position. Independent of what the decision with cousins is, I think, right. I mean, cause you can still bring back cousins, draft a quarterback. If you feel like you fall in love with the guy. So yep. They're on the clock. I mean, this is starting. I mean, this is you got to have a decision with Cousins here pretty quickly, I would think. And if they were in love with one of those guys that they knew they could get, that would that would put them in a different spot with Cousins negotiations, I would think, right? Like, if you don't love any of these guys, and then you're like, okay, well, what's the plan if we don't get Kirk Cousins back? Then it's it's different. But if you look at if they, I don't know what they think about these guys, but they look at McCarthy, Panix, Knicks, whoever, and say, okay, we really like this guy. We think he can be, you know, a top eight quarterback in this league by the time it's all said and done and he's going to be at least a good starter on his rookie contract that's a different feeling going into free agency or this you know this two-week period than it is to be like uh we really only love these like top three guys and there's probably no way we can get any of those guys well that yeah if, if you feel like that and you're not in love with the uh i mean how are you not gonna fall in love with caleb williams but yeah, well, everybody I mean, loves those guys but yeah they, you can't, the group, you, can't you can't get, get those guys. You can't get those guys. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you don't fall in love with those guys, yeah, I mean, I think it really puts an onus on you to, to you know, re-sign Cousins. But it, they may have a, a plan where, like, let's try to get Cousins for two years and still draft that guy because, you know, obviously that, that position is so important and we're willing to, you know, have him watch for a year or two behind Cousins and, and then move forward. So it feels like there's about – three or four different doors they can walk through here with this. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, I don't, um, I don't know what they're, you know, we, we're not privy to their meetings to know which way they're leaning. Pretty rude. They should just let us into those meetings. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, so I, we can, I keep it to myself. Mostly. I would love to write this stuff with, with the confidence. I know what they're doing. So, yeah. but I, but I still think Mike, I, I still think if 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 Cousins would agree to a two year deal, I think that's the way they go. And if they fall in love with one of these guys that are not you know the top guys, but 
you say you hate to say not a top guy, but he's still a first round. I mean, if yeah. you know, right? Not one of those uh, top three guys, though. Yeah, but I, I think uh, they could still draft that guy too. Yeah, I mean, the calculus of it is such that you could probably talk yourself into pretty easily what you know what Suhan wrote over the weekend. What a lot of us have written already is like, if you're going to pay him all, if you got all this dead money coming to your cap anyway, doesn't it make sense to have him? I I still would rather just take the lump this year and just, just move on, move on, but. I can, you know, it's the kind of thing where I can see it reasonably both ways. And it's, it's just fascinating the timeline of it when they have to decide things. Um, it's just, it's going to heat up this week. I feel like, well, they, and uh, to me, the way I would, I would draw the line on two years. If, if yeah. Cousins oh, yeah. will accept two years, I'd do it. If he, if he's insistent on, he wants a longer term deal, three years, I, I would move on to plan B. Do you do guaranteed money for both those two years? I think how most, much? well, he's already set the precedent. That's what he's want. I mean, Daniel Jones makes 40. I can't imagine Kirk Cousins is going to take less than 40. Yeah. yeah. I, it's just, I mean, so are you looking at, you know, 42 to 45? I mean, I've heard, you know, we've seen that number 90 floated Ugh. for two years. It's uh, too much. That's too much to me. It's just too much for Kirk Cousins. It is at this stage of his no, career. He's not taking a hometown discount. There's no such no. thing. It's not, it's not going to work. You know, no. I don't think, I mean, because as you know, the, these contracts all set, the bar yeah. for the next guy. And yes. it's like, there's inherent pressure from, you know, and you just, you want to get paid what you think you're worth. Yeah. If it's two for 90, I'm going to, I'm taking the sunny gray approach. I'm like, thank you for your service. Um, go get paid somewhere else. I just, I just, I don't want that. I don't want that. But what would you be comfortable with? I don't, know. I, I don't want him in the first place. I'd be comfortable with like two <laughs> for se- right. two for 75, two for 75, fully guaranteed. Yeah, I don't know if that would get two it done. Two for 80 but... at the most. Two for 80 at the most. And I still don't, yeah. I don't want it. Two for 90 is just too much. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, is a he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. I don't know if two for 75 is going to work. No, I don't know but, if it is either. That's what I'm saying. This is my line in the sand. I don't know yeah. where their line in the sand is. Like, oh, this is going to be so, like, and I love this thing, time Michael, of year. I, I do too. And here's the other thing to factor before we wrap up. I mean, Kwesi and O'Connor are going into year three. Yes. This is kind of a pivotal year for, in terms of where this regime is going and yes. what the plan is and what the next five years are. And so, I, you know, are there assurances that if, if you draft a rookie that there's a little more runway for you? Or is it is there pressure to really bounce back after a disappointing year to, to get back in the postseason? Yeah. Does that factor into the calculus? It's interesting. And I don't, you know, I'll be interested to know exactly where both of them stand and if they're aligned on that right now i'm sure there's lots of discussions happening right now it's yep. fascinating big time of year uh, i'm sure we'll cover it plenty on access vikings and uh with uh, with both of our riders down there right now getting ready for the combine so chip appreciate it as always uh have fun covering caitlin clark on wednesday against the gophers and we'll talk to you soon all right brother see you man good stuff from chip as always and it leads me right into the cooler an idle thought i had the other day um with chip we were just kind of talking Feels like the Vikings right now are at a point in their trajectory where they remind me an awful lot about the end of days with Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. That's kind of how the Kirk Cousins era has felt to me right now. Let me explain. The Wild during the Parisi Suter era were always good enough to compete for a playoff spot, made the playoffs a bunch of years in a row, and then they kind of got older. Things kind of, you know, not the wheels didn't fall off, but they decided at a certain point that they weren't going to tear it down. They were just going to try to rebuild on the fly, make some roster tweaks, make some adjustments, things like that. 
And even after cutting ties with Parisi and Suter a couple of years ago and just you know biting the bullet with the buyouts, they've been relatively competitive. We just don't know yet how competitive they're going to be this year, but they've stayed competitive, but they have not become a Stanley Cup title contender, I would not say, at any time in the last 10 to 12 years, even though they've been a consistent playoff team. That's where the Vikings are right now in their trajectory, and they have to decide about Kirk Cousins. Is this their moment to let go of Cousins? Is this their, their moment to move on and try to build up to be a championship team at some point, or do they want to be you know, an 8-10 to 10 win team in perpetuity? That's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine, but just admit, know what you are. You're not a championship team. If you keep Kirk Cousins, you are stuck in this okay range that the Wild were stuck in for so long, and if that's what you want to be, that's what you can be, but just don't let, let's not let's not make any mistake about it. They are right now what the Wild were for so many years. There, a decent team, a team that was probably going to have a chance to make the playoffs year in and year out, but a team that was not a threat beyond that. That's their inflection point right now. They've become the Wild. Are they ready to become something else, or is this what they're going to be for the near term and medium term and even the long term future? We will see. Going to get some answers pretty soon. We'll see what happens at the Combine this week. See what kind of information comes out of there. Follow that, of course. Like I said, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Until tomorrow, Phil Miller on with me tomorrow to talk twins. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. 